Well, good morning. It's nice to see everybody. Uh, all right. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to um, hear from you. Lord, um, I pray, God, that you would um, open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word, Lord, and to, um, you know, we're all different, Lord, but we know that the application is a little different for each of us. I pray we'd be open uh, to what you would say to us today, and uh, when it's all said and done, make that application, uh, Lord, in our lives. So we thank you and praise you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. So, as when I've been filling in for Pastor Rob, I've been usually going through the book of Acts. So, we're not going to do that today, though. We're actually going to look at um, faith, um, the attitude of faith, and then what we're going to do is go, instead of going through like Hebrews 11, it's, um, and by faith Noah, by faith Abel, you know, and of course the, the author of Hebrews goes through the Old Testament. What I want to do is kind of go through the book of Acts and get my examples of uh, people living their faith out um, in the book of Acts. Kind of give us a little bit of a review of where we've been and kind of reinforce some of the thoughts that we've had. But I want to start with the idea that faith is an attitude. And what is an attitude? An attitude, there are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. All right, so our attitudes develop as we change, as we grow in Christ, uh, moment by moment in this process of life, um, our attitudes are changing. Every decision we make contributes in some way to the pattern of thinking that becomes our attitude. And that includes our faith. So our faith is an attitude. It's um, a pattern of thinking that's formed over a long period of time. And hopefully you're growing in your faith. Hopefully you've grown in your faith more than um, the day you got saved, and it's that process. It's maturing um, in the Lord. So the goal this morning is to answer two questions. What is faith? Of course, that could take us a couple weeks, right? But we'll, uh, we'll condense it. Okay, so what is faith? And then the second question is how do we develop our faith? So two important questions. But let's begin by eliminating um, the faulty notions that are out there of what faith is or isn't. Faith or biblical faith isn't a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. I wish, I hope, that's not faith. Biblical faith is not blind trust in the face of contrary evidence, uh, not an unknowable leap in the dark, that's not what we're talking about. This morning we're going to talk about a faith that works. A faith that's rooted in a God who is real. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So guys, our faith finds itself grounded in the word of God. So Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us um, what faith is. I want to talk about that briefly, and then we'll get into some examples that we, um, we can look at in the book of Acts. 
But it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And literally, that, the last half of that verse is the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? Not yet seen. And um, like I said, you know, Hebrews 11, it goes on, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah. And, um, you know, these guys lived out their life by walking in faith, believing in the word of God, and acting on it no matter how they felt because God promised a good result. And so let's look at, before we get into, uh, into the book of Acts, let's look at two words before we move on, substance and evidence. So substance, faith is the substance of what you know is coming your way, even though you haven't seen it yet. That substance, faith is substance, it's that realization or that assurance that we have that God is faithful, that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Now, we practice this all the time in the physical world, right? I don't do it much because I'm not that literate with my computer, but every time you place an order online or make a hotel reservation, you know, you give them your credit card and they give you some kind of a receipt, right, a, some confirmation number. And with that receipt or confirmation number in hand, that's the substance that you hold on to while you're waiting for that item to either come in the mail or when you're driving to the hotel that you can have faith that there's going to be a room there for you, right? So there's, it's that substance, it's that substance. Now, in the spiritual world, it operates under the same principles. Uh, we have a prayer request. We're seeking the Lord for something. Maybe God has given us um, a little bit of insight and in something that he's called us to do, a ministry, um, whatever it is. So what do we do? We pray, we seek the Lord, and our faith that we have is our act of confidence in God. That's the thing that we hold on to while we wait to see how God is going to answer that prayer or how he's going to open a door or close a door, right? Our faith is the substance that we hold on to while we wait upon God to act. Now, evidence, the other word, faith is also evidence. And in some of the, the versions that I looked at, it also says that faith is conviction. And I kind of like that. Because that's, um, it's a rare commodity, it seems, in the church today. People living out their convictions, really being convicted about what the Word of God says. And it's so important. But evidence. And like going back to the package or going back to the hotel reservation. The reason why I know that that product that I order is going to be coming is because I've done it before. Maybe the first time I did it, I was a little apprehensive but the more you do it, the more you realize, oh, yeah, it should be coming any day now, right? You expect it. You don't feel foolish when you check to see if the package is out by the door, right? Marianne will tell me, Dave, go see if the package is here from, you know, from Target or wherever, you know. But it's, um, you know, that's the evidence, the evidence, our experience. Now, in the same sense, faith is the evidence or conviction that God is faithful. Are you guys convicted of that? that God is faithful? You know, do we see it in the way that we act? Do we see it in the way that we think? What's, you know, what's our attitude of faith look like? 
important things to ask yourself. Based upon the word of God, faith says, whether I see it presently, understand it intellectually, or experience it immediately, I know what God says he'll do, he will do. That's faith. That's the evidence of things seen for the future. We know how God works. We've seen it before. So we don't feel foolish waiting upon God to meet our needs again. Or we don't doubt God. Why would we doubt God? We know he's faithful. But yet we do. And as we look at some of the examples in the book of Acts, we're going to see that God totally understands our humanness and our ability to doubt at times or to question. And, um, you know, there's, um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, God can still, there's nothing wrong with that to a point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? You can, we, it's a natural thing that we do have doubts occasionally, but we don't really need to have them. We need to renew our minds. So faith is a settled confidence in something in the future. Something that's not yet seen, but has been promised by God. That it will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. Biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, eternally trustworthy, the God who has revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, whose promises have proven to be true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake his own. Guys, these are things that's what we have to hold on to our faith. Such faith is the unseen realities of God and its emphasis throughout the word of God and has provided confidence and assurance to all who receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. We have that confidence. We have that assurance. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. We need a faith that's inclined to action as opposed to speculation. Guys, we need a faith that works. We need a faith that works. So I put a little warning here because I don't want you guys to um, get distracted by the simplicity of this message. This is, um, you know, I need, I need it like simple but straight, okay? And, and this is uh, really, this message, the rest of this message is just a matter of just reading through uh, some accounts in the book of Acts and just seeing men and women just putting their confidence and their trust in the Lord, just living out their faith and seeing the, the, just the awesome things that God is, is doing through these folks. And I, if you've been here through some of our journey through Acts, you know that I've been emphasizing the fact that the guys and gals in the book of Acts are men and women just like us. Men and women just like us who chose to believe God, who, got, who accepted the gospel and accepted the call that God had on their life, and they're just living out their faith. So don't limit what God can do in your life by thinking, well, I'm not an apostle or I'm not one of the disciples from, you know, out of the Bible. Well, you are. The book of Acts isn't over with yet. So you guys are all book of Acts saints. You know, and it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. So 
and I, I'm going to make this statement, and then I might have to explain myself a, a bit, but um, living by faith isn't rocket science, okay? Um, and I, I don't, I'm not taking anything away of the challenges that we face, the difficulties that we face. Um, walking by faith is very challenging. It's very difficult. In fact, it's impossible without Christ in our lives, right, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, but we have a tendency to complicate living by faith. And it's hopefully by the time we're done this morning, you'll see um, that it's really not that complicated. Now, how do we develop our faith? I have this practical definition, and it's almost like an equation. I was thinking about that last night. And I I heard this definition years ago, and if um, you guys have probably heard me say it occasionally, that faith is believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. And I see that throughout the book of Acts. I see that in your lives, the people that I know here on a, a more personal basis. And basically, that's the equation, or that's the definition of faith that keeps me um, moving forward and keeps challenging me. Because my faith is in the word of God. My faith is in a God who is perfect. Right? So, and I believe his word. So we're going to look at, you, got, you can go to Acts 24, and we're going to kind of compare what Acts 24, the end of Acts 24 says in a little bit of Acts chapter 1, or Luke 24, I'm sorry. Now, just to kind of give you the scene, you know, Jesus is resurrected, hasn't ascended yet, he's about to ascend, and uh, the disciples are all gathered together. Um, If you remember, Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with two of the disciples. He um, ends up revealing himself to them, and um, they end up turning around and coming back uh, to Jerusalem. So they're all in Jerusalem, and Jesus comes into the room that they're in and just reveals himself to them. They're, you know, And he leaves them with these words. And I want to pick up in verse 44 of Luke 24. And as we read this and you know, we kind of go through it, I hope you guys see just how matter-of-fact this stuff happens. I mean, this, I mean these, this, isn't even, this isn't like a rehearsed thing. Jesus says something, they act on it, and something good happens. And if we have that kind of mindset with our view of faith, um, it really does wonders for your walk with the Lord. So let's, uh, let's, read, let's start reading in verse 44. It says, Then he said, so Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. In verse 45, it says, He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So it's like this supernatural opening of their minds to receive the truths that Jesus was unfolding to them. Now in Luke 9.45, you don't have to go there, I'll read it to you, but it shows us how you know, at that point in time that they really didn't know what Jesus was saying. 
It says that, but they did not understand the saying when Jesus was prophesying about his, his death and, and his coming, his resurrection. It was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about what he was saying. So Jesus, at this point, opens their understanding, opens their mind so they can understand um, the word of God, these, especially the word of God that pertained to his coming, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And of course, they don't know this yet, but the birth of the church. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would open our understanding daily as we're in the word. And, you know, and that should happen. It should, right? I mean, you should go into your prayer closet, go into your devotional time expecting God to open your mind or your heart up to a, you know, that, por- that portion of scripture that you're reading, you know, to bring relevance to it, right? There's an application. And it's, just, it's interesting that, you know, we read through our devotions in the morning and there is very seldom the day doesn't end without part of that devotion being a part of something that's happened in our day or something that was a resource for us in that day. You know, God wants to open our minds and our hearts to every time we're in the word. He wants to teach us. So in verse 46, it says, Then they said to them, Then he said to them, Jesus again, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these. So now Jesus, in in verse 49, he's going to give them some instruction. So he says in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And in Acts, it's um, another um, view of this, and I'll I'll read those verses for you. You don't have to turn there. Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. Jesus is telling the disciples and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And let's just finish, let us finish that last part of the chapter. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So here they are in their upper room. Jesus shows up and, you know, they have this interaction. And Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem. Tarry there to receive the promise of the Father, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? So what do they do? Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it. 
no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. So I would, I think we can say we're on safe ground that the words that Jesus would speak would be the word of God, right? He's telling these guys, he's giving them instruction. Terry in Jerusalem. So what do they do? It says right at the end of, uh, in verse 52, it says, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. He told them what to do and they did it. Pretty straightforward, right? You know, the interesting part as I was going through some of these is faith is believing the word of God and acting on it no matter how I feel. And that, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, boy, how did they feel? How did these men feel about, you know, roughly 40 days later going back to the scene of the crime where Jesus was crucified, where they were hiding out? Um, were they a little apprehensive about Going back, did they think, you know, who knows what could happen? I don't know. I I think personally that it could have been a a real thing that they were thinking. But it didn't make a difference. It didn't make a difference, no matter how they felt. In their minds, you know, Jesus had told them to go back to Jerusalem, to stay in Jerusalem, and to wait. And that's what they did. And that's what they did. They waited. And something that's interesting about waiting, because we, we, there's two things that we see here. In verse 53, it says that, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So they're back in Jerusalem waiting on God, waiting on the promise of the Father. In Acts 13 and 14, it talks about how they went back into the upper room that they continue to, with one accord, with prayer and supplication. So they're doing, they're doing something while they're waiting. And that's important for us to understand that. You know, waiting isn't like, you know, sitting around twiddling your thumbs while you're waiting on God. You know, these guys were still doing what God had called them to do. They're in the temple. You know, they're going to prayer. They're in the upper room praying. Uh, you know, waiting isn't just sitting around waiting. It's, staying, it's still staying busy for the Lord. And you see it with these guys in their lives. So regardless of how they felt, they acted on Jesus' word to return to Jerusalem and wait. So God promises a good result. Okay, this one is like a no-brainer, right? Pretty key um, point in church history, in fact, in world history. Here's Pentecost. That's the result. That's the result. They believed the word of God. They acted on it no matter how they felt because God promises a good result. And, you know, they probably had no idea of what was about to happen. They had no idea, but they knew what, what Jesus had told them to do. And regardless of how they felt, they followed through with it. And look what happened. You know, we have no idea of the outcome of just walking by faith, trusting God, acting on those things that he puts on our heart, the things that he challenges us through his word. Uh, we have no idea. I don't think these guys knew that, hey, you know, let's do this because, you know what, guess what, Pentecost is going to happen. No, they had an idea that they were going to receive the promise of the Father, that the Holy Spirit was coming. But, you know, I don't think they really fathomed the depth of it. And, you know what, it doesn't seem like that um, 
There's no dialogue that's recorded that they talked about it. They just were in the temple praying. They were praying in the upper room, and they were together just seeking the Lord. We don't have to be concerned about the outcome because we know God is faithful to bring about a good result, and that's trusting God. Walking by faith is trusting God. So let's, uh, and here's another thing, too, before I move on. What's the application for us? That's the important part, right? What's the application for us? The application for us is to do likewise. Believe the word of God and act on it. Dealing with our feelings as we move forward, knowing that God's involved with the process and that everything is going to end up, it's going to end up great because God's involved. God is in charge of the outcome. Leave that up to him. And you know what? If you're lacking If you need more insight, you need more understanding as you're going through this process, James 1.5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we're lacking understanding what's going on. God, what are you doing? Pray. Pray. So important. God um, doesn't want to be, uh, you know, he's just not giving us our marching orders and, sit, and then sits back and watch things happen. No, God wants to be an active participant in everything that we're doing for him. He's in it with us. He's in it with us. So Acts chapter 8. Now you would think we were going to talk about Saul and Paul in this one, but we're not. Saul, at this point, is, is consenting to uh, the death of Stephen. He's persecuting the church. Um, there's um, this big persecution going on in Jerusalem. So there's, um, the saints are scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, with the exception of the apostles. And then a man, bless you, then a man named Philip, went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Philip, he was one of the seven guys picked to help with the affairs of the the widows in Acts chapter 6. There's um, a scattering of believers. He ends up in Samaria. Um, A lot of cool things happening there. Um, You know, they receive the gospel. Um, He has a little interaction with Simon the sorcerer. Word gets back to Jerusalem that um, the Holy Spirit and the Lord is working um, in Samaria with the Samaritans. So they send Peter and John to Samaria to kind of check things out, see what's going on. Um, And then, you know, people are getting healed. People are getting saved. Um, It's really, uh, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing scene. And in verse 26 of chapter 8, Uh, It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So here is is Philip. He's in the middle of a revival. You know, and, and one that he's like a key part in. And all of a sudden this angel tells him, Hey, you know what? I want you to arise and... Go to the desert. And, you know, think about it. Faith is believing the word of God. The angel spoke. He's giving him some direction. And in verse 27, it says, so he arose and went. He acted on it. 
And, it, you know, no matter how, it, you know, no matter how we feel. And I was thinking about how do you think Philip might have felt? Maybe didn't voice it, but maybe inside he's thinking, Lord, I mean, couldn't you send somebody else? I mean, look at I'm in the middle of, you know, this huge revival here and you want to send me out to the desert. Um, I mean, things are really happening here. If you thought that or not, I might have. You know, I maybe I don't know, you guys wouldn't have, but I, I thought that way. No, I, you know, think about it. You know, all of these great things are happening, and, you know, we get caught up in it, right? Man, God is doing some awesome things. You know, hey, this is what we can do next, and you're just starting to, you know, you're, you're just excited. And then the Lord taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, can you, um, I, I need you out in the desert. Wow. So, but here's Philip. Okay, it says... He arose and went. Okay. And it says, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. So, this is just how awesome God is. You know, who knows, Philip is just, he's being obedient. He heard the word of God. He's acting on it. Maybe had to get over some of the emotion of having to leave the revival. But then God just speaks to him again through the spirit. Go overtake the chariot. And I believe Philip is, is starting to say, oh, okay, Lord, all right, so this is, this is part of what's going on. And God is just unfolding this to him as it's happening. And that's faith. That's that attitude of faith. He doesn't need all the answers. In fact, he doesn't even show us that he's asking for any. He's just doing what God called him to do. And now he tells him to go near and overtake the chariot. And, you know, and they're just kind of going along. They're not, you know, like, it's not like he's got to run a 100-yard dash to catch up with it. So, you know, he's, he's going to run along, and he's, you know, he's, I would think I ought to be excited that now God is starting to unfold to him. You know, what's happening? What's the purpose of being in the desert? So it says, so Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Hmm. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he was reading was this, and it, that's Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And it says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the scriptures and preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is the water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and were baptized, and he baptized him. And now when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip 
away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And, you know, of course, Elijah and Ezekiel were both snatched away like this. But it's, I was reading, when I was reading this, I was thinking, could you imagine when we're, you're getting baptized and Pastor Rob dunks you in, and then, you know, when you come out, like, he's gone. He's like, like, where did he go? He just, you know, I mean, think of, I mean, think of what's going through the, the people's minds that are in this caravan. And, you know, and the eunuch, you know, this Ethiopian, you know, he, he knows that he's being baptized by Philip. And all of a sudden, when he comes out of the water, he's gone. And, you know, God is just confirming, you know, really the authority that Philip had, that he was ordained of God. And it's just amazing to see that. And then it says that, but Philip was found in Asatos uh, and was <laughs> and passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So, you know, God just moves him to another city and then up the coast. But it's amazing to see that here is, here is you know, I, I guess he would be considered a deacon, He's in Samaria in the middle of a revival, and he hears a word from God, and he just acts on it. And like I said, I have no idea if, um, if he had an issue with being pulled away from all of those things that were happening uh, in Samaria, but it, I mean, he didn't, it didn't seem to bother him because it says he arose and went. You know, faith is believing the word of God. And, you know, guys, I know it's repetitious, but you know what? It's, that's what it's all about. Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it. You know, we, if you get some chance later today, in between hot dogs or hamburgs, whatever you're doing, um, read through James. You know, where, you know, it talks about that. You know, if, what good is your faith if it doesn't have some work or some evidence associated with it? Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it and getting our emotions out of it, no matter how we feel, because God promises a good result. And what was the good result here? The Ethiopian eunuch goes back to Ethiopia and is an ambassador for Christ there. And the word of God now is spread to Ethiopia. So we have one result, Pentecost. Not a bad deal, right? This one here. The Ethiopian eunuch goes back home and shares the gospel. People in northern Africa hear the word of God and are saved. You know, God, whatever, you know, whatever God is working in our lives, we need to trust him with the outcome. And we need to trust him to provide the whole process for us. One more. We can do one more. All right. So Saul, this is Acts chapter 9. So I was, gonna hope, I was hoping to get to chapter 10, but we're not going to be able to get there. So Saul is on the road to Damascus. Okay, and, and we know the story. He gets knocked off his horse. The Lord knocks him off his horse. He, this bright light, you know, Jesus has this interaction with him. And Saul is um, led by the guys that were with him into Damascus. The person I want to focus on, though, in this particular instance, is Ananias. So let's read, um, let's read a little bit through Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. 
It says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. And behold, he is praying. And in a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So verse 13 and 14, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So there's a little difference this is a little different sequence of events. At this point, isn't Ananias just supposed to say, okay, God, I heard what you said, and I'm on my way. I'm acting on it. No, you know, he's, he's kind of hung up on the no matter how I feel thing. And, you know, he's, what I like about this is that he's, he's got some issues. He's got some thoughts about what God's asking him to do. And he feels comfortable enough in his relationship with the Lord to ask or to bring up a point. You know, that there's a dialogue. And I appreciate that. And I'm glad that it's there because you know what? It is okay to have that kind of a dialogue with the Lord. Because, you know, back to James, when it says, if you lack faith, let him ask. And that's important. God wants us to ask. And sometimes we think, that, you know, faith is believing the word of God and acting on it no matter how I feel. Like, and that portion of no matter how I feel means just be quiet and go do it. But that's not, God doesn't operate that way. I mean, he's going to tell them to go, but he's, he's going to give them a little bit of information to go along with it. And, you know, guys, I, I can't stress it enough to, um, to, to have that kind of a, a relationship with the Lord where, you, you know, that there's that dialogue that you can go to him no matter how you feel and just kind of vent and get those, just get it out. He already knows what it is. So you might as well just go just open and honest before him. And, you know, and Ananias, he's just telling the Lord, maybe thinking that he needs to remind God what kind of guy this is that he's sending him to pray and think about it, you know, Ananias is, according to, to some commentators, he's, you know, he's one of the elders in the church. So he would be a prime suspect for Paul to bring back with him, right? Paul's got you know, authority to bring the saints from Damascus back to Jerusalem. So you know, Ananias would be one of those guys that Paul would be looking for to bring back. So the Lord hears him out. And, um, and here's, here's the Lord's response to him in verse 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, go. And then he gives them, he's giving him information now. He's, and the Lord doesn't owe him an explanation, right? He doesn't owe us an explanation. But that's how much he loves us. He, you, know, he just, he want, you know, he wants Ananias to get a heart for what he's going to be doing. You know, you're going to go pray for this guy, and I'm going to use him in a mighty way. You know, God is sharing his heart with Ananias, and that's what God will do with us. You know, when we're unsure about something and we go to him and we're looking for clarity, 
He's going to lovingly give that to us. That's why James is so emphatic on going and asking God for wisdom. And think about it. James grew up with Jesus. 30 years growing up with a big brother like Jesus. He knew what it was like to go to Jesus. He knew, you know, and he didn't even know who Jesus was. He was just his big brother, but he saw the character. He saw who, you know, the man that he was. And you know how many times you think James went back and forth to Jesus? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? I tried to do what you said, but it didn't quite work out. You know, and he just, Jesus discipled him. And here he is in James, writing the book of James, and you see it. And, and this is what we're seeing here. This is what I believe. You know, Ananias is just, God is just sharing his heart with him. You know, I understand, you know, and basically, hey, you know, go. But here, you know, don't worry about it. And he says, for he's a chosen, <clears throat> whoa, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. He shares that, you know, Ananias, I hear what you're saying, but he's a chosen vessel of mine, right? I'm going to use him. He's going he's to go before Gentiles, kings, the, the children of Israel. And, you know, he's going to show him the things that he needs to suffer for his namesake. And it says in verse 17, And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laid his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. You know, Ananias, at the end of this little, these little cluster of verses, must have thought, wow, man, am I glad that I... I did this, God. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to do what I just did, to be a part of what you're doing. And, you know, the good result, God promises a good result. Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul, is saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about that. Think about just these three examples and the result. You know, and God is that God hasn't changed. You know, God wants to use us in similar fashion. You know, somebody had to pray for Billy Graham. Somebody had to pray for Chuck Smith, right? I mean, all of these people that we look at and are like, um, you know, pillars in the church were just unsaved sinners, just like people we know. You know, and God is 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 asking us to live out this kind of faith in our lives, to believe the word, read it and believe it, and then act on it, you know, act on it. You know, we, we want a faith that works, all right? We don't, you know, we don't want to just stand by idle. And God, I know for a fact that if you're saved and you're in this room, 
God has been speaking to your heart to do certain things, to speak to certain people, say something, do something, whatever. You know, and it's, it's time to, to just start doing it. Just start acting on it. And you know what? How we feel, we might be a little apprehensive like Ananias was, but think of how he felt probably the next day. Maybe he's sitting around with Saul talking about how, you know, he just got saved and what God was doing. And, you know, maybe Saul is telling him the story, how I fell off, the, you know, my horse. And, you know, just the end result, the good that God brings, we get, to, we're a part of that. We're a part of that. So I, I just want to leave you guys with that definition, with that equation, if you will, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? And faith is believing the word of God. Believing the word of God and acting on it. No matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. Guys, walking by faith, living our faith out is not complicated. It's not. It's pretty simple if you just follow the instructions, right? And that's all they are, just believing the word of God. Acting on it no matter how we feel, because God promises a good result. We don't know what the result's going to be, but God is faithful. God, we know that, right? We know that God is faithful. There's not a person in this sanctuary that doubts that. We just need to walk out on it. God's faithful. You know, leave it up to him. All you got to do is be obedient. Leave the rest of it up to him. He's responsible for the outcome. And think of the good things that he's already done through you and he wants to do more. It's amazing. It's amazing to think God would want to use us in such a powerful way. It's awesome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And God, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, continue to do that work in our hearts. And Lord, um, we know that uh, walking by faith could be challenging, uh, could be um, like stretching us. But God, we know that everything that you do in our lives, that it's there, it's, uh, there's a purpose behind it, and it's a, it's a good thing. And God, we, um, we want to be used by you, and uh, we want to be, um, Lord, um, obedient. We want to be um, sensitive, Lord, to those things that you would speak to our hearts. So I pray, God, that... Um, we would exercise our faith, that we would trust you, Lord, and that we would step out in faith, that we would act on those things that you're prompting us to do, those, those things in your word that are challenging us. And a lot of it is acting upon things that we need to do internally in our hearts, God, and help us to, to do that as well. And God, we thank you that um, you're not a, a God that just drives us and is, you know, just so... Um, you know, just wanting us to just go ahead and do what we're supposed to do and not to ask any questions. God, you're, you want a relationship with us. You want us to, to know your heart. You want us to see your purposes. And Lord, you, um, you invite us to be a part of what you're doing. And boy, what a privilege. Lord, thank you for that. And help us to be found faithful. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the rest of our day and this weekend. Help us, Lord, to celebrate the freedom that we have in this country. Lord, just how truly blessed we are, and Lord, uh, help us to realize the freedom that we have in you, Jesus. Uh, we love you, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hope you guys have a great rest of the weekend.